Welcome, welcome, welcome. Gary Stafford, Lane Barber, Chris Bell, Laura Bippin Ward, Marina Buru, John Mullen from Dumbarton, Stuart Lehman, Eileen Blackwood from Kilmarnock, Nita Schlecker from Bayern, George Connor, Matthew Greenup, Samantha Lill from Maidenhead, Keith Johnson, Evening, where's the remote? The remote's through there. I've already, I saw already up there. I don't know exactly what's happened with that remote. Oh, I've signed up, turn the sound down. Thank you all for all your wishes to my mum. Uh, it's been a pretty hectic day, and um, it's been yeah. My mum never kind of really wants. She never wants to kind of go out much. It's like well, let's go for a run in the car. No, no, I'm quite happy here. Anyway, uh, about a week, two weeks ago, my mum started going on about um, Hopeton House, and she's saying, "Oh, she'd love to go and see Hopeton House," and she was saying that. When she was about six year old, she used to visit her uh, her mum's aunt, so I think that's a great aunt or whatever. So she used to go out and stay, and she was telling us all about this amazing place, and it was next to Hopeton House, and it was where a lot of the servants kind of stayed and things like that. And and my mum's my grandmother's aunt, right? She worked in the in the big house at Hopeton, seemingly, and so did it. And her husband worked in the estate. So they had this place and my mum kept on talking about it and saying it was called society. And I'm getting really confused, going like, society? What's society? And she said, oh, Hopeton House, I'd love to go up there, but not now, I want to go up. I'll go up in the summer when it's all sunny and things. I went, great, well, but why don't we just go up? It's your birthday. Why don't we go up your birthday? Long story short, we talked her into doing it. And I Googled it and, and went up and looked at all these maps. And my mum was on about this row of houses that was down by the river, but down by the side of the fourth that overlooked, you looked straight out to Rosyth, right? It was just virtually under the bridges to the kind of the west of the bridges. And um, so I Googled it and I couldn't see this house. There was nothing on in survey maps and there was one place called Eastern Society House or whatever it was. So anyway, we decided to get in the car today, beautiful morning, and we drove all the way up, right? And I had an inkling, I had a little inkling it was going to be one of them Fellini days. And um, so we went all the way up to South Queen's Ferry where I remembered my old friend Ian Banks used to live and stuff. And I hadn't been there for years, right? And driving under the bridges is always pretty awesome. I mean, and especially with the new one being there now. So we drove at South Queen's Ferry and the last time, the last time I was at Hopeton House, was a gig and I can't even remember when it must have been in the late 90s maybe about 98 99 or something like that and there was a festival was put on by Jane and Shona who used to work for me here at one point but they became festival promoters which was a very bad move <laughs> and they put on they got Hopeton House and it's I mean it's a beautiful building I mean google it H-O-P-E-T-O-U-N Hopeton House and they got Hopeton House, they got the estate grounds to put this massive festival on. And it was like, wow. 
and it just became from then on it was it just became an absolute kind of nightmare right the gig was brilliant i went, went along and I, it was um little feet were playing with obviously um not with level but with a, the, the female singer that i'd seen before because we played a, a show in denmark with them years, years ago and um steve errol of copperhead road frame and i never ever seen him live and emmy lou harris right so i mean the lineup was fantastic and it was just a typical scottish festival kind of reaction it was like all the diehards of those kind of bands came along but it just didn't excite the imagination of other people and there was a lot of money lost in that gig a lot of money but I mean, the, the event was fantastic. It was really well organized, the show, the sound, everything was brilliant. And that was the last time I was at Hopeson House. So I'm driving up this road, and I'm going, I don't even remember, maybe because it was had a few drinks at the time. But we drove up this road and then we kind of came into the estate grounds. And my mum's starting to go like, oh, I remember cycling the bike up here and things, which was like six year old. We're talking about, mum's 88, and she remembers being there in 1944, right? And she's going, yeah, I brought the bike up here and things. And I'm going, great. And she's really animated. It was it was lovely, you know. And we were right at the side of the fourth. And I was I was getting kind of blown away by it. Was, this is, like, wonderful. I can't remember being... I was definitely not there in the daylight. And, um, and we drove up and found what was called Society Car Park. And we went down there and it was basically a bunch of trees with a load of mud at the bottom and there were people parked the cars. And... Um, the sign said road ahead closed and that was the road that I'd kind of sourced on, on the maps on the OS maps that that was kind of where you got to this area that my mum was on about so um she'd been on about these big Victorian houses and how they had like three doorways and the doorways went into kind of stairwells and went up and there was like there was basically on each stairwell there was a house up, upstairs and a house downstairs with tiny rooms and that was where the, the, the servants stayed and as I said, it wasn't on any of the OS maps. And I thought, well, it's, maybe it's demolished or maybe the sea's taken it or something, you know? Maybe, you know, it was really strange. But we drove down this this place, went down to the car park, right? It says road ahead closed and, I'm, and my mum's got the walker. And I'm going, there's no way we can start off-roading with my mum, right? With a walker, right? With a frame. And there was a guy there and I got talking to him. And he says, you're fish. And I said, oh. Hi, you're fish. She's don't remember many names, but you're definitely fish. And we got talking, and I said it's my mum's birthday, and he said, "Oh no, well you can go round, drive round the other way." So I thought this is kind of quite crazy, you know. So we drove up and and, and went up onto the main Hopeton House Road again, and there's a little sign that said you know, Easter Society, right? And it felt like a bit like the prisoner. It was it was just that kind of vibe about it. And prisoner of this, the UK TV series. Oh, by the way, earning your time. Happy Fish and Friday books. So, we turn in, and I'd seen, when, when I'd been Googling, I'd found this kind of big white building with these kind of turrets, that kind of mock folly kind of vibe thing, you know? And uh, I'd found that on the corner, and Mum had said, you know, on the corner of the road, this this is a big house, but this is society where the anti-state was down there so we saw the big white house went great and we followed the road down and lo and behold we turned round to the right right and there was this beautiful row of kind of two-story stone cottages that had this gentle curve in it and there was actually a post box a little red painted post box a little letter box 
right? Royal Mail letterbox in the side of the house. It had its own kind of letterbox things. And uh, and my mum had said, like, you know, he used to walk out and go across the road and go straight on the beach. And I couldn't make sense of this. Bang, there it was. This beautiful row of stone built houses, right? And there was a road. And basically from your top bedroom window, you could have thrown an empty bottle of wine into the river, right? It was so close. It was incredible. And it was beautiful. It was like green grass went straight down to the fourth with this beautiful little road that went ahead. And I said, there was a gate on the on the, the road. We said, no, all closed. Right? So that was the road we'd been trying to get up. So we're at the side of um, society, right? And my mum's going on about, yeah, it used to be there. And that we went in that door and stuff. And I thought, I'll ring the bell and I'll just see, you know, look, it's, it's my mum's birthday and she's 88 and she used to come here when she was six year old. And um, I, I rang the bell and there was nothing and there was lights on in the house, but I thought, oh, I'm starting to get a bit, you know, and I've got the mask on as well. <laughs> just what you need. Big six foot five guy with a mask on. It's all right if my mum comes into your house for a bit. <laughs> she needs to use the toilet. No, it was, uh, it was so, we're outside and my mum's explaining to us and she said that she remembered when she was a kid that she used to look across and she said there, there was three rows of, of warships, right? And she remembers all the camouflage uh, paint and the way the warships were painted up. And when she used to go up and cycle up and down the, the, from the estate or, or when she used to cycle when she was there because she went there on holiday, right? And, um, you know, she remembers all the, the, the Royal Navy um, guys marching down to get to the boats to cross over to the Resythe dockyard, which was a massive dockyard on the 4th, where um, uh, during World War Two it was it was very heavily bombed. And um, I've just had one of those moments, Bruce Watson. But I'll come to that. Right? So, Resythe was across the water and she remembers seeing all the ships and being there in, in society where she went on holiday, she ran, the doorbells rung, my mum's telling us all about it and explaining this and things. And a guy walks round, right? And a guy walks round and he was kind of um, well-spoken chap. He looked kind of, he looked like he'd been in the military maybe, right? Like officer kind of vibe about him. Nice guy, you know, he was very pleasant, but like I said, he was kind of very concerned because he was faced with a six foot five guy with a mask on. <laughs> and I went, hello. And it was like, I was like, I wanted to say, don't worry. <laughs> and I go, don't say that. And I went, sorry, don't worry. <laughs> We're not here to rob your house. I said, look, I'm really sorry. I understand it's a private road, but I said, explain mum's 80th birthday. Da, da, da. And the guy's looking really kind of charged, you know, and uh, like ne really nervous, right? And he says, my wife's actually, she's she's uh, about to give birth. And I'm going, oh, well. And I said, that's great. I said, you know, that's, that's good news. And he, and he said, I'd invite you in. But he said, my wife is actually giving birth in the house. <laughs> At that very moment. <laughs> totally. You could, uh, if you took odds on that, right? And he's, he's, he's going like, and I'm going, look, I'm sorry, I really don't want to waste your time. I said, well, go away. And then my mum starts talking, right? <laughs> I remember, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's standing there and he doesn't want to be rude. And I'm going, mum, I think the gentleman's in a very stressful situation. We should maybe go away and leave him now. Blah, 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 blah. She was great. I mean, she was just so loving it so much. And it was kind of, and 
And I see the guy look, good luck. So he said, I've oh, got, got to go, got to go. And I says, oh, hope everything works okay. I said, we should go now. <laughs> I was waiting to get a kind of, in the background. My mum's going, that's really nice, a baby being born on her birthday. And I thought that was so beautiful, right? So yeah, I mean, how Fellini can you get? So anyway, we drove, we drove around and uh, we, we drove back and we were going to go up to the house, but it was like, it was all closed up and it was like, don't come through here, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, well, just leave it. And my mum was just so happy at going back to society. It's <laughs> weird, going back to society. I mean, I've never even heard of the place before, society, right? Outside Edinburgh, by Oakton House. So we drove back and, and with the bridges, it was just, it was a beautiful day and the bridges were against the kind of azure blue of, you know, an East Scotland sky. It was fantastic. And my mum, had, my mum didn't even know there was another bridge had been built. You know, I said, well, this is the, the, new, the new road bridge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's thinking it's the one that we went to in the 1970s, where we actually walked across on the day that the, the bridge was opened. We actually went out and, and we walked over the bridge when I was a kid. And I remember I hung my panda, uh, <laughs> and a cuddly panda, and it had a dodgy ear on it, and I remember hanging it over the, over the, the water. <laughs> Some macabre thing. I don't know. I don't know what was going through my head. Oh, you're going to die. Cuddle me or die. <laughs> so my mum was like in her element. And, uh, but as we drove out, there was one of the guys from the state and I, I, I flagged him. I, I flagged him. Well, I stopped and, 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 and talked to him. And I was going to ask him about what the situation was at the big house. And he goes, Fish. And he see, he says, the last time I see you, he, say, he said you were at Fife Aid. He was at the Fife Aid gig. <laughs> and then we got talking, and then and my mum got talking to him about you know, seemingly at the gate was there's a big handle, a big round handle inside the gatehouse that opens up the main open house. She was talking about that, and the traffic's all stopped and everything. So, but we eventually escaped, and then. I got away and went all the way back to Dalkeith and we went up to Glebe Street and we passed our old house and then um, passed the Dick Brothers garage and you know and then we went all the way up to towards um, Pathhead up the A68 went off to Edgehead and Jutton where my mum was born and she saw the cottage where she was kind of brought up and things and then you know our family so we had an absolutely brilliant day today and it was like and uh it was just really cool, and she it was it was fun to have her out, and uh, and yeah, she she was yeah she loved it, so it was good. Bah bah. But this morning it was kind of woke up and, and woke up in the dream. <laughs> we woke up in the dream, didn't we? Like Scotland, we just thought winning a game, final on penalties. Nah, you couldn't even get that at Paddy Power. You get it. The, the, the odds on the odds on Scotland kind of Scotland winning a kind of final to get get us qualified at the Euros. It was like probably about the same as like driving down to a place that you've never been before with your mother on her birthday and having a guy's wife actually deli delivering a baby at exactly the same time. Probably those kind of odds, right? <laughs> so I was watching TV last night and it was like, wow, Scotland's on Sky One, you know. Because I was kind of re resolved to, you know, catch it up on the, the BBC sports site, Scotland sports site. And um, <laughs> so it was like, wow, what's this guy? Once we put it on and it's, I'm going, it's against Serbia, you know. 
you know, good reputation, you know, empty stadium, blah, blah, blah. But they had Flower of Scotland and the Tartan Army kind of beaming, I don't think in the stadium, I think they were using it on the live broadcast. And it was like, bam, bam, and oh, here we go. And it was all even, I'm going, wait a minute, we do quite well here. We're playing, we're actually putting a game together. And we were in charge. And it was like, whoa. And the little voice inside my head was going, don't get excited. It's going to all end, right, in horrible failure, right? And having experienced the, the, the semi-final the previous kind of weekend, it was like, I'm going like, nah, this ain't going to happen, right? Bam, we scored. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, beauty. <laughs> and someone and I are in the room going, yes, 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 yes. And it's going, no, stop, 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 stop. And I said to Simona, I said, look, look, I said, I tell you this, this is how it works, right? I said, we're going to be all over them. And I said, just before full time, they're going to score and probably in injury time, they'll get a goal, right? Another one and that's it. And it'll be... <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, we're one nil up and two minutes to go. Defensive mistake, great header. <laughs> Back of the net, 1-1. One, one. And I'm going... Uh, I can feel the pain coming again. Like no matter how much I've been trying to let you go, don't get involved. Don't get emotionally involved in this game. Stay away. Stay away. It's all going to end up in pain, right? Extra time. <laughs> Extra time. And I'm going. Oh, here we go. And it was. And then suddenly Serbia was starting to get get quite good. And I'm going. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then we had two dodgy. It was a couple of substitutions. Me. I don't want to get too much into this, but it went to penalties, right? <laughs> and, and um, the commentators are going, well, Scotland's never won uh, a penalty shirt before. <laughs> the, we have only had one, but we won it. <laughs> and it was like, and we had to take the first kick. And every kick that went up, I'm, I'm going, this is off the bar. It's off the bar now. Right? It's, and it's like, wow. <laughs> and then Sarah, whoa. And then we had the second one. This will be the one that will screw up. Bam. And then we Went up and then on the fifth penalty, and I, I was thinking they'll never do it. And they have five beautifully struck penalties, and up comes the Serbian to take the last kick of the game. And Marshall pulls off this save, and I was sitting there, I was numb. <laughs> I couldn't actually grasp it immediately. I'm going, we just won on penalties, and we're now going to the the, the Euro finals next summer. <laughs> and it was it was my but it was like a dream. And I, but I had said to Samora for about an hour, I said, don't get hopes up here, it's going to be crap, it's going to end up in tears. <laughs> How wrong could I have been? And it was, it was great. And today, when I passed the news agent, it was like every paper, it was like, you know, we've won it, Argentina, you become again, vibe, you know. But, uh, but yeah, and we've got England. <laughs> you couldn't write it. So we've got, what's it, the, we've, got, we've got Czech Republic, Czech Republic at home, I think it is. England away and Croatia at home. And like, and everybody's going like, wait a minute. <laughs> we could do something here. I'm going, nah. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Fiona Martin, thank you. Sabine Brignall. Uh, James, Tim, Tim Rennie, they should name the baby fish. No, Grendel. Right. <laughs> could I suggest you call your child Grendel? They will have lots of fans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian Orchard, cheers mate John Waters uh, let's hope that the free discussion is short well it has been, it's over now uh, 
Uh, easy win for England. Please don't steal the turf and wreck the goalpost this time. Mark Stoughton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, um, the last championships we were in. It's, it's true. I, I don't know if I, I, I did this before. But it was... Uh, um, the last time Scotland were in a, a major championship, was, it was the World Cup in France. And... Um, and I was there. <laughs> and we wanted to go to the... It was Andy Gardner. Andy Gardner was a guy... Him and I had written uh, Mr Buttons together at the Chateau Marowat. And we became great friends. And Andy lived in Paris with his um, partner. And she was involved in... in she did a lot of um, film soundtrack work and things and uh, I think she had film film editing it was so Scotland got Brazil in the opening match at, uh, at the uh, was it was it, no part of the France anyway the the, the, the big stadium in, in, in Paris and um, I'm, I really wanted to go right and Andy said come on it would be great Scotland and France would be fantastic you know World Cup and like I'm going yeah that's whoa must be done uh, could I get tickets yeah. And a friend of mine, who was a fan, and his name is at the moment embarrassingly escaping me, because I've not seen him for absolute years. And he was involved with uh, Paris Saint-Germain Football Club, right? And they played at the stadium, right? And he got involved, right? He got involved with getting all the people together for the kind of um, pre-match handouts and stuff at the stadium, right? Which basically... Gilles, 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 that was his name. And Gilles phoned me up and he said, look, he said, if you're willing to come in really early in the morning and help out in the stadium, we can get you into the match, Right? And I'm going, ooh. And Jill is a massive Scottish fan. I'm a, he, he is I'm a huge fan of Scotland, right? And he basically got in touch with all his buddies, right? And he said to me, if you know anybody that's want to get come out and get involved, and I knew a couple of people, one of them being uh, Jay Crawford, right? Who was a DJ at Radio 4. So we all got together and flew over and I stayed down down at Andy's and stuff the night before, got rat-assed on Brandy the night before and went down to the stadium, right, on the day of the match. And what we had to do was basically um, put a load of coloured things on the seats, which basically at the given moment everybody holds up their coloured card and this writing forms in the wall that's created by, the you know, that crap, you know. And... Um, it was, uh, so we had to put the colour cards out and put all these little notices out which said, at the moment, when you hear this noise, you hold up the card in the air and you do this and but you'll turn the card, you hit this shit, right? I'll do anything. I'm f I'm in there. I come through security, we're in the stadium, we're putting out the wee colour things in the seats, like hundreds and hundreds, of, like throwing them and they get, get when they came on, right? Watching players come out as well, which was like wild, right? Then, then, um, the day kind of like trundled on. and But before kickoff, they said, oh, well, you've got to hand out these leaflets, which were all like safety stuff or whatever. It was like different languages. So we had to stand, right, not on 
the inner part of the, the stadium or, or the little tunnel thing where you, the, the punters went through into the seats. We had, they wouldn't let us stand there. We had to stand at the entrance so we couldn't see the game. So it's like, we're standing there and it's this, we're in the Scottish end, right? Because, you know, we speak English, blah, blah, blah. There you are, there you are, mate. There. And of course, people are coming past me and going like, you're fish, aren't you? <laughs> and they're going, can you take a photograph? And I'm standing there getting photographs taken with people in the stadium while I'm trying to hand out these leaflets. And the guys that were in charge of us, the security guys were getting a bit iffy and they're, and they're kind of, because I'd been saying to them, look, can we go inside? They're going, no, 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 the right? And we're inching bit by bit towards <laughs> towards the kind of entrance, bit by, as the photographs will get taken, cheers, mate. And the security guys go, <laughs> here take 10 of these take a hundred <laughs> inching towards and it ended up we just threw the damn things away and kind of ran into the crowd and like just kind of we were standing because all the Scottish fans were on their feet and uh, it was uh, it was a fantastic day if we'd won <laughs> but we didn't we got beat 2-1 by Brazil so I was particularly gutted then we had this huge, long walk all the way back to the centre of the city, but it was uh, for a spectacular night with the Tartan Army, I might add. Very, that's another story completely. But, but that was the last time I was at a major tournament. And um, and with this one, it's, uh, yeah, God knows what's going to happen next year. God knows. Paul Lowder, England never buy that game then. Yes, trottle away, trottle away. It's like, oh, let's just see on the days. Oh, that's a couple of things. Um, uh, Nick Stubbs, it was my birthday on Monday. Can you give me a mention on Fishing Friday as this would top my week off, right? Nick Stubbs from Melton Mowbray, where the pork pies come from. So happy belated birthday, mate. And um, there's another one I got, I was asked to see. Victoria Aka Tonica L. Harrison. Uh, looking forward to Friday night, blah, blah, blah. Can you do a special mention for my husband, Neil Harrison Aka Tonic, as he's in the hospital with COVID-19? He's been pretty sick, sick, but on the way to recovery. Been in COVID war for two weeks tomorrow. He's improving a lot. Still got a compressed, fractured hip. But at the moment, I'm in the hospital next week on Thursday. If send a get well wishes as he'll be watching you from 6pm tonight and me too. I will not flummox you with my name. Victoria Ludovic Harrison and Neil William Harrison. So, all right, mate. Uh, I'm, no, I wouldn't, I'm not going to play Grace of God tonight. I got thrown on this one tonight completely. Right. Right. John Wallace, yeah, I, I, might, I might get my mum out. She doesn't come out much. Right, it's, uh, Ian Simmons, any plans to really chase the deer? It was chase the deer, D-E-A-R. It was chasing the deer, as in the animal. I've got nothing to do with that. I've got absolutely nothing. I've got nothing to do with that. I was just a mere actor, just a thespian doing his thing. I don't know who owns that. It was uh, some dodgy company. Um, Dave Pilsen. Means that Scotland need a song for the championship. Am I going to come out of retirement for that? No. <laughs> I, uh, I, have, I have touched the skirt of Tartan Army songs and Scotland songs um, a couple of times. And um, 
it's better we just stay away from them. <laughs> the lions shall roar in the sun. Wink. Yeah. Andy Miller, hi from Salisbury. Andy Goski. Uh, Roy Olivson, Oslo. Jim Savard, hello man. Rhode Island. Flower of Scotland is a really nice anthem. Linda Dublin, it's a great anthem. Yeah. Uh, I recall Scotland, Brazil. Uh, I have to go down the page because I won't get it. Any news about the Fugazi remaster? Avril McIntosh phoned me up yesterday and I was supposed to phone her back. But um, when, I, when I was supposed to phone Avril back, I had my daughter Tara on the phone because her dog Dexter's not been well. And there was loads of stuff going down yesterday. So, Stephen Hatch, any chance of singing at Wembley again? In the crowd, I would hope. Not on the pitch this time. Yeah. John Dayton, thank you. Dave Robinson. How did you end up singing on Tony Banks' album? Um, we, Marillion were originally the publishing, the original publishing deal that Marillion had, right, was um, with Charisma. And Charisma Publishing were part of Charisma Records. It was within the same kind of umbrella vibe, right? That was run by Tony Stratton Smith. Genesis was signed to Charisma and way back in the old days and eventually Charisma, they moved into Virgin. Tony Smith was the manager, Tony Stratton Smith was the owner of the record company. When Marillion signed to EMI in 1982, Charisma wanted us. That's another completely different story, right? But, it's, um, but they wanted us and we figured, or John Allison figured, that if we sent to EMI, we had the worldwide record company. We got away from the Genesis comparisons by not being on the same label as they were associated with. And if we had um, Tony Stratton Smith working the publishing, it kind of, we had both hoots. Anyway, that was seemingly the thinking. And um, so we were sent to Charisma, and then. We obviously bumped into the Genesis guys a couple of times, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but I mean, just bumped into, right? And then Charisma was brought over or taken over by Hit and Run. And Hit and Run was the Genesis management, which was run by Tony Strand Smith and Hit and Run Music Publishing Limited were the Genesis publishing arm. And Genesis Publishing basically bought the Marillion Publishing through Charisma. Right. And not a lot of people know that. Right. So John Crawley, who's one of my oldest and most beautiful friends, I love him so much, right? John Crawley was our publisher at Charisma and John moved to Hit and Run when Charisma all kind of folded and things happened and Tony Stratton Smith died, etc. etc. And we were then working with the Hit and Run Genesis music publishing. So they were picking up the publishing on uh, Kaylee and everything, and it was just quite weird. And as part of that thing, we got to know them a bit better. And Tony Stratton Smith, uh, Tony Smith, and I became kind of friends. And he became quite a confidant for me. Well, he was a consigliere, I should say. Um, and we had long talks when I was going to walk at Marillion in 1987, and he tried to convince me to stay in the band. And you know, he said basically that you know. 
you could have a solo career and be in the band at the same time as his artists had done, you know, both Peter and Phil. Right? And what happened was that because we were all signed to the same publishing company, Tory Banks got a chance, he got offered uh, the soundtrack of this movie and he had a song which um, was going to be one of the title track or whatever or one of the principal tracks. And Tony Smith came up with the idea that it would be a good idea to put the two of us together and I could write the lyrics and, and work with Tony. And um, I went, wow. I was absolutely feared. I was going like, oh. Um, daunted. And, you know, going all the way. I mean, I'd, I'd met Tony in backstage areas. But I was invited down to his house. And... I went down with John Arneson um, to Tony Smith, and I was like, oh, best behaviour. Like, you know, it was like, you went to, do you want a drink? I was like, oh, just a small one. Because <laughs> I had a bit of a reputation back then as well. And um, so we in his house, and him and um, his lovely wife were just stunning. They were great. He was very gracious. But I remember walking into his house, and I suppose it's the same way as probably one of you guys walks into my house and sees the misplaced childhood kind of cover and goes, like, oh, is that the real one? I did exactly that with the Betty Swanick cover of Selling England by the Pound and the, 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 the watercolour was hanging in, 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 in this kind of front uh, hall area, right? And I was like, is that... Yeah, whoa. <laughs> this is where you are. And he was great and we went through and... Um, we went through to this kind of little room he had at the back, a kind of studio kind of arrangement, the stand-up piano, and he started playing the piano and playing these ideas and things. And I was singing along, going, trying to jam along with Tony Banks. And it's like, you know, you've just met one of your kind of heroes for the first time. And it's like, let's jam along a song together. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's very like a school teacher. He's like, this note, bam, 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 this year, here, And it was, it was like that. And I, I, I didn't work like that normally. <laughs> but anyway, I went away and wrote this lyric and he said, it's the lyric. The film is about bikes. I knew nothing. That's all I was told about the film. It's about bikes, right? And I went, okay, right? And um, <laughs> so I started putting this lyric together, right? And I thought, it's your motorbikes. And that was kind of my approach to it. It was like, well, I'm right. It's, it's about motorbikes. Shortcut to somewhere, blah, 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 you know. And then when I went down and presented it all, he said, no, it's, it's bicycles. <laughs> Fucking bicycles. <laughs> so anyway, we did, we, did the, 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 we wrote that together and the, the video was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it's another story, but it's like, but, but yeah, but that's how I got together with Tony Banks. It was basically through the publishing houses and the, the Genesis management and stuff. And we still, we still keep in touch and we still send Christmas cards and, and things. And he's a, he's a really nice guy. And of course I went back and, and did um, Another Murder of a Day, which is a, a song I listened to a, a few months back. In fact, maybe I might put that up for a vote one time. It was, uh, it was, um, it was, a, it was a cool song. It was, um, but yeah, I, I, I liked working with Tony and we've talked, um, you know, we've often said, like, you know, it'd be great to get to do something again. And, you know, you know, maybe that's something, you know, in, in time to come, if, you know, if, 
if somebody phoned me up, if, if Tony Banks phoned me up and said, you know, I've, I need a lyric for this, you know, can you put a lyric together? Then, yeah, I, I would definitely, you know, open up the box, but not to sing, you know. <laughs> so, but he was great. He's an absolutely lovely guy. He really down to earth. And, um, and, and also a fellow gardener, right, that I've, I didn't know at the time, but I've discovered he's, he's very passionate about his gardening. So... Lime will roar in the sun is a good song. John Watson. It was quite funny one to do. This, I'll, I'll leave that for another time. We'll keep that for a football weekend or something. Right? There's some good stories right now. Bruce Watson. In fact, it was done about the same time as the song that I'm going to do tonight. What time are we on? 27. Now, Dave Tell, thank you. Richard Bainbridge, yeah, I'm doing well. Kev Maguire, thank you. John Geminata. John Gemino, if Scotland get to the final fish, love to see you there singing live. <laughs> yeah, Martin Griffin, yeah, Tara's dog Dexter. It was like he's he's been he had what they thought was kennel cough and it's become something else that they're not very sure of. But like, fuck me. Vet spills, right? They're worse than New York lawyers. It's like, and I know this from, you know, Rab, who's Rab Purdy, who, who works up here and helps out round about the studio in the garden and everything. Rab's not working at the moment. If Rab, if you're watching it tonight, hiya, Rab. Right. Rab's knee's gone. It's a bit of a mess and he's done all sorts of terrible things to his back. So he's maybe lying on his back tonight as it's Friday with a bottle of Jack Daniels and a drip at the side of his bed. But, um, but yeah, Rab, get well soon, mate. But, um, but where was it? I lost it there. But Tazzy's dog, but Rab had a dog called, uh, Rab's dog's called Balfour. It's a kind of chocolate lab thing. And, you know, the lab had loads of issues. I mean, I've never known a dog like it. It was, um, so many things go wrong with it. Skin can... Excuse me. Call me back later, I'm busy. Thank you very much. Somebody who doesn't know me. Uh, so anyway, so Balfour, his dogs are X man. I mean, weird doggy. I mean, stuff I didn't even dogs got. You know, incessant itching. There was a TV program called Mongrels. Some of you may know it. It was brilliant, and it was kind of like, you know, it was like little puppets animate, but little puppets and glove puppet stuff vibe things, and it was brilliant. And uh, it was a. There was a wee fox in it called Kieran that was very, very poorly. It had everything that could possibly go wrong with a fox went wrong with this thing. And I kept on thinking about Balfour, it was just like Kieran. It's like, oh, the dog's got uh, scratching uncontrollably and stuff. And it's like, I'm going like, what? <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, so Rav's been dealing with that. And he was telling me about it. Yeah, it was like, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. And then it was like Tara's dog, Dexter. Same thing. It was like, you know, he went down the other day. It was 80 quid for like, you know, 20 minutes, right? And it's like, just the cost of vets now, it's just frightening. And I know from my experience with when Simona had Borgamil, which was the big Irish wolfhound, right, who you know, was getting on in years and they always had problems in latter years. And when Borgamil was kind of going out, it was like, oof, the bills that Simona got at the end were like shocking, absolutely shocking. And of course, there's the whole insurance thing now, where it's like, you know, it's become big business, animal insurance, it's like, you know, because we all get tied to our pets and we love our pets and nobody wants to see 
pets in distress and you know and everybody gets a bit you know because pets can't go it's actually my leg that's a wee bit sore on the top muscle here just you know like with my joint they don't talk do they so you need a vet and of course it's like but it's like the americanization of it all i mean it's like you know it's, it's like halloween and chicken treating and stuff it's like but it's the vet thing it's this whole you know it's, it's just become you know i remember vets drove about in kind of kind of morris vans when i was a kid you know and they all had big tweedy jackets and things and you know and you know now it's all slick and computerized and i mean everything every single incident comes off on a bill that hits you you know and as i said the insurances it's all working ahead all taking advantage of our pinging heartstrings Yeah, you never see bookies or vets where they are so at their trues, Richard Llewellyn. I completely agree with you. But yeah, it was like, I mean, there was a vets open up in Harrington and, and I remember when I had to get both my cats, my, both my cats were put down. It was like, it cost a fortune, right? And of course, we did the usual bit, well, if take this and take that. See with my German Shepherd. My German Shepherd took more drugs in the last two years of its life than I took probably in the whole 80s, right? It was like, it was a horrendous amount of, and it, 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 I felt terrible, you know. It was like, uh, <laughs> I hope you feel better soon, Linda Dublin. Oh, Laura. Uh, <laughs> Vince the Fox was cool, Vince was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my neighbour, Fraser, right? my neighbour, Fraser. Well, he's, he's he's an English guy. He comes from uh, kind of down Essex way. He's an absolutely brilliant, brilliant geezer. And when he first came up here, he was like, and he went in the pub, and number one, he couldn't understand why everybody swore so much. <laughs> and uh, but he was he, once he got into it, he's like, and he he talked like Vince, like, ah, ah, you looking at me? What? What? Did you just call me up? <laughs> But yeah, so Fraser, and Fraser's also a postman, and he's been helping us out this week with Royal Mail kind of fuck-ups. Right. Chris Collett, just did a quick look, a listen to a video with Tony Banks, you would have made a great frontman for Genesis, only because I actually have the beard and the hairstyle that is the accustomed frontman hairstyle and beard design for a Genesis singer. The voice, no. Right. John Thompson, named after Dexter the serial killer. No. Tara inherited Dexter, right? Or well, Dexter's name. Clive Langston, it was me on the phone ordering my Fish and Friday shirt. Yeah, the shirts. Yeah, well, seemingly, you've, you've, you've probably seen the design by now. Uh, Mark Wilkinson uh, uh, put it together. Well, it was, um, it was basically, and this, is, again, it's another, another little nice moment. Simona took the photograph because we were trying to work out you know what we were going to use for a potential shirt image and Simona actually took the snapshot and that was the one we were kind of using as a base idea and I phoned up Mark and I said to Mark you know can you do something can you kind of cartoonize it you know can you do something with it and um he came back with that this program that flattened all the colors out and stuff and, and made it slightly animated and I love it it's great you <laughs> know so, uh, um, and the thing was on the back on the dates, right? It's 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 basically um, it's world tour, right? Fish and Friday world tour, and it's got every Friday on it from the lemon tree, 
right? <laughs> Full band performance. So coach, it's got studio coach, studio coach, studio coach, studio garden, studio coach. Studio. So it's got every Friday in 2020 from March the... When, when did we start doing it? I think it was March the 30th or whatever with the first, first Friday or first Fish and Friday was. It's got every Friday where it was. <laughs> with to be, to be confirmed and to be arranged for 2021. With a Christmas special already locked in, just so you know. Right. So, um... Someone was going, you're not, you're not going to do one on Christmas Day. Says, Why not? They said, like, you know, we could all be home. It's like, we could all be in a situation where it's like, we're actually, we're going to be in lockdown. Perhaps, I mean, I hope not, right? But, you know, we, you know, we could be, you know, let's see where this goes. It's like, the numbers are just nuts, you know? But, um, but yeah, so anyway, the back of the shirt has got every Friday on it. That it so you can, you can go up there. I've seen that one, seen that one, seen that, missed that one. <laughs> Every Friday. And it's like we're up to, I think it's 34 shows now. <laughs> 34, it's outrageous. It's like, I never, I never ever thought that I'd be, I'd be doing this at this point of the year. I thought, couple of months, couple of months. And it's like, here we are. But yeah, so we've got the, I've got to get the numbers. But what happened was, you probably all know because you were all part of it, right? Part of the cat herding that I had to do, right? So it was like the same thing as usual with the, the track list. And you put a link next to your size and of course everybody goes down and can't catch up with the things the same way as I can't catch up with this question stuff here. <laughs> and there was like an outsizing friendly. I'm a medium, I'm a medium, I'm a medium. No, I'm an extra large, I'm an extra, I'm 5XL, I'm 5XL and I'm damn proud of it. It was like everybody was out in, right? And even people going, stop doing this. Like, it, just, it just got out of control. <laughs> and I was sitting here laughing. I, was, I said it was like herding cats, you know? And if you really think I'm going to go down, I'll, I'll just get, Simone and I will just scroll down. That's a large, medium, excellent, double mint, that's a 5XL. <laughs> so... The T-shirt is in black, sir. Right, we only we have them in black. Right. Don't know when they'll be here. I've still got to put up the. I've got to phone in the orders, and I'll get the orders into Razmataz who are making them. I'll get them on a Monday, and but it's unbelievable. It's like vinyl. Who would believe it? Blank T-shirts. There's a worldwide shortage of blank T-shirts, which is all when you think about it. It's all got to do with the manufacturing houses that are basically placed in, in, in India and, and Bangladesh and wherever the hell these, these shots come from, you know. And it's, you know, obviously the workforce is being affected. You know, I mean, it's I mean, incredible. It, it changes all the way through now, affects you in all these different ways. So basically Razzmatazz are chasing down uh, uh, T-shirts to get the blanks to, to make up for you people. So... Um, but yeah, but I think you like it. I think it's a cool shot. So, uh, but it was, uh, yeah. But there's something else I've got to tell you about. Crimbo uh, Spesh have one that get have one that gets raided. Francis Bishop. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really cool because. You're going to, if you're wearing these shirts, this isn't like in a... Because this goes beyond the, the music, I think, a little bit as well. You know, so it's going to be interesting when you start wearing the shirts. 
and you might have complete strangers going, oh, I watch that too. I do that. I watch that. Because there's so many people that watch this now that are not necessarily kind of fish fans. They just watch it for the crack. Right? Waiting for me to find the remote. 10 7, watching my time. Professional. Roger Morgan, T-shirt me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick Wall did a great job as a host in Francis Rossi's speaking to her. I talk too much. So any plans to work also with Mick in the near future? Tommy Frank. I don't know. Mick, Mick's offered me the chance to, to do it. I know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. But, I mean, I don't need... <laughs> I'm here, you know, 34 shows in. And which is, you know, 68 hours or whatever of uh, talking along different subjects, some of which I've doubled up. But yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting just to walk out and do a one man show, you know, without having to do a question and answer thing. I have to just walk out and just do a one man show and go and, and, and deal with it myself. I mean, I don't need to be prompted by anybody, although I, though I love working with Mick and, you know, it's, uh, and it could be fun, you know. And as I said, you know, I did a, a big interview for Classic Rock um, uh, with Mick Wall just a week and a half, week ago, week and a half ago. I forget, I lose time. All I know is it's Friday and it's this, which is great. But it, it's weird because I've kind of got on this rhythm now and, and Swan and I are both the same. It's like, because now we broke, the, the back is broken in the pre-orders. We can kind of take Saturday... And Sunday we just take off because there's no post arrives, you know. On you know, and someone might go in and pack some things. But I mean, the weekend is, has kind of become a weekend, and I'm hoping this weekend we can get out in the garden because I've got shitloads of onions to put in the ground. I've got beds to clean up. I've got so much work to do out there, and I've still got these goddamn bulbs to put in, you know. And it's all these. I've got. Bit of, 200 chillet bulbs to throw in yet right and i've just i've just never managed to get the time this week because it's, there's been so much going on, on on so many different fronts so well do you read the comments from fish and friday after the shows yeah i do scan through them and sometimes i find questions or I might find a question or, or a comment or something that I'll, I'll pick out. So I do go through them, but I kind of scan through it. It's, it's impossible because it's normally about 2,700 comments. And like, but I do, you know. Is that Charlie Watts behind you? No, 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 it's me. Your cleanup. Lisa Simpson intro on Sunsets on Empire Tour. Let me get back to you on that. Because I'm sure Stevie Vances has got a recording of that. And I'll, I'll play it because most of you have never heard it. Right? It's, um, that's another one. Right? Luciana Fatima, they're not only a t-shirt, it's part of a historical moment we're all facing. Yeah, it is. Actually, I had, I had an old Nigel, one of my ex-agents, was, um, was on... He was. Uh, he sent me up a message. He said, "How are you doing, right?" And, and Nigel worked for a, a, a big, um, a big kind of touring agency company. And uh, you know, I, he was my agent for a while until basically my numbers fell below the kind of the, the required attendances for the agency sort of vibe. You know what I mean? It's like uh, wasn't a big college act. 
<laughs> and uh, so kind of we party company and things and I shot off a morning and started booking morning gigs. That was where we at. I'll tell you about him in a minute. But it's, um, um, and then I went back to him a few years ago and he was, he was, he was way up in one of the big agencies and stuff. And I, I, he sent me a message after the football last night saying, well done Scotland sort of vibe, you know, cause he was a big, he's a big rugby man, but he, like, he knows me in Scotland. And uh, he said, well, how are you doing and stuff? I said, yeah, it's great. I said, you know, it's just weird times. And I said, I'm really getting my garden act together, right? <laughs> he wrote back and he said, my dog walking business is doing fantastic. <laughs> this is what we resort to. This is the music business. <laughs> Rock star singer becomes gardener. Famous agent becomes dog walker. Right? <laughs> it's uh, fucking crazy times. Yeah, Carol Lawrence Olson. The crazy thing is that some of us have watched all your fishing Fridays. I've only missed one of your gigs this year. I wasn't at the actual gig in Aberdeen. And that brings me on to something. Strap yourself down. Yeah. Oh, got to watch what I'm doing there. I need to touch the buttons and fucked up. Keep the paws away from the buttons. The paws. Okay. We have the lemon tree performance minus about half an hour. We have about the end part of State of Mind and then an hour and 33 minutes, including Rosie Damascus, first time ever. The first performance of Elchmet's live, first party's over. We've got, I think we've got He Knows, we've got the script, we've got the company, we've got Vigil, we've got family business. I think it's missing Big Wedge. It misses um, Grace of God, because we opened with that. It misses Man With A Stick. But everything else that we played that night is there. And Steve Kent, my sound engineer, we normally, we normally don't record First gigs, you know, you just throw on something, but, you know, you don't kind of get really into it. Steve Kent happened to, like, press the right button at the right time, although it was, like, about 30 minutes late, but he, he got into it. I mean, it was the first gig of the tour. Steve Ants has got the tapes, and it sounds really, really good. It could be easily released as a kind of unofficial bootleg. Easy. And um, it's really good quality, and Steve's really polished it up. So we have an hour and 33 minutes of the only gig we did on Friday, March the 13th at the Lemon Tree in Aberdeen. We have it. I don't want to put it out as uh, a live album. I want to do something in a very, very different way. And I'll give you more news about it next week. But we're not going to be selling it. We're not going to be selling anything, right? What we want to do is set up something where you donate. I'm not taking anything from this. I'm, I'm, this is all the money that's raised from it. This is going to go to my band and crew, most of whom didn't get any furlough. They didn't get any backup off the government. They've been sitting there, some of them are jobs. And basically what we're doing is like, we're tr trying to top up all the money that they lost, that they should have had in wages between the UK tour and the European tour. And 
I'm looking back at some other it's associated banding crew, people that basically have been, you know, hit bad. I'm taking shit off from it. We just I'm just gonna basically put this up and people can give what they want. But I've got nothing to do. All I'm doing is supervising it and making sure things go to the right people. But this well, you'll get more news about this and I can give you more detail probably at the end of next week. But um it's uh it's, it's, you'd think it would be really simple to put together and it's actually been quite complicated because we walk into different immovable institutions that we have to try and find a way around and things. And uh, we we're managing to do it. But the, that Lemon Tree gig, you, you will find out, but you will be able to hear it maybe sometime in December, at the beginning of December. But I'll give you more, more, more words on it, but so... But that lemon tree gig, that one and only gig, it actually exists and it actually sounds really fucking good. <laughs> and, it, and and hearing this stuff, it's kind of, it kind of, <laughs> yeah, I get mixed kind of feelings about it all. It's like there's a sadness because it's like, you know, it was like that was, we were, that was going to become so good. I mean, Liam, Marcel, you know, Gavin, Steve, Doris, myself, you know, it was even on that first night you knew it was going to be special, right? And um, and it was like, like I said, there's a sadness that we never managed to kind of follow on on that and, and develop it, and you know. But at the same time, it's like you know, I've got a great band. You know, the, the guys that have been that have been playing with me, you know, they've been they've been really special, and uh, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of put this together because some people, you know, have got got a took a kick in this year, really took a kick in. But as I said, that lemon tree show is sitting there. It's all set up. We've just got to like basically put the square pegs and the square holes and the round pegs and the round holes and bring it all together and go bam. And there you are. So, Laura Bitman Morgan, crew's having a rough time too. Yes, absolutely. Which is again, you know, why I wanted to set this up. Right. Uh, uh, who's in the picture on the wall? Me, 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 me. <laughs> Stuff ends up through here because it's like you know I can't I can't put things of myself up through there. My my daughter actually said, Dad, she said it's really sick. She said you, you it's like a shrine because I kept them. People kept giving me photographs. I'll stick them up there and stuff. And when I lived on my own, it was kind of. When I lived on my own, it was just, I threw up and Dad said, Mum, Tara went, Dad, you can't do this. So he's got to start getting, you can't picture yourself everywhere. So they come through here, they all gravitate through here. And I got loads of stuff. Pictures with hair and everything. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Charlie B, do you have any interesting memories of touring with Rush? Did that before. Many's a programme. Sift back through the episodes and you'll find it. Uh, it's not... This is... It's not... You're not being asked... This gig thing. It's like... It's not for sale. Right? It's up to you to decide kind of what you want to do. It's like... It's, you know, if somebody's got 20 pence, then cool. Somebody's got 50, somebody's got a quid. You know, we're all... People are getting hit all over. I mean, we'd notice it here as well. I mean, we definitely notice it. Oh. Oh. 
Fish and Friday badges would be pretty good. Badges? <laughs> we have no stinking badges. <laughs> no, it's, we don't need no stinking badges. Jero uh, uh. brought, I donated my bit of gig money back to the Apex. Well done, Jay. You know, it was, um, E. Graham, I told you a few weeks ago the bulbs could wait. I even wrote the bones of a song since then called The Bulbs Could Wait. Now they're still not planted. Now it's now it's onions. Fuck's sake, what rhymes with onions? <laughs> Sicko. Uh, yep, get it, come on, Tim. Sick of thanks. Alvaro Moralesque. What is the status of the show of the clutching tour? I was visiting in London on both nights. We've been Steve's been trying to put this together for ages and it's just been left. I think in reality, it's because we've been totally focused on Velchmerz and, um, you know, getting the Velchmerz album out and, and delivering that where took absolute precedence over anything or any of the live material. But as I've said, you know, there's other things going to happen this year. I've already mentioned that the, 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 the clutching shows will come out as, you know, as a, a, a live package in the same way as Return to Childhood and, um, the, the the moving feast stuff. We still got, as I said, thirty star. I'm still waiting on vigil and internal. But you know, I've I've got to be careful. I mean, you know, I've got to, I've got to take into account the, the the reality of the situation. You know, and as far as as much as you want to put something out, you know, it's can people afford it? And, you know, there's no point in getting thousands of albums made if they're, they're sitting in a storage container and, you know, I can't, you know, I've got, I've got to be careful in, in, in how I, I deal with this. You know, we, we, don't, we don't need to put anything out yet. You know, like I said, I mean, we've got things like the shots. The Lemon Trees is my Banner Crew thing. I've got the shots. I've got Velchmerz. We've got the mail order here. That kind of keeps us alive and we, we kind of, we take over and move on that, and that's fine. And it's, um, but I've got to be careful in how I stage these deluxes because both the, the vigil, well, basically all three, vigil, 13 star, and internal exile, you know, if these all come together, the idea is to put Blu-rays on the back of them and put them into um, covers similar to Feast of Consequences and, and doing a deluxe version of it. You know, I think vigil especially deserves, you know, a, a kind of a bit more room, you know. And as well, I mean, vigil and internal. Um, there are so many live versions of the songs and there are a lot of great demos from that, that time as well. So they're, they're both big content packages, you know. And 13 Star, because, you know, I was working with Steve for the first time. There was a lot of demos that were kicking around, a lot of ideas that were flying about to go in that. And, you know, I, I guess I mentioned last week, I mean, there's all the, there's all the there's nearly... The entire Thirteen Star album from the 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 Nearfest um, gig that is going to be able to put on a Blu-ray of Thirteen Star, including it was the first album that I did a making of, so there will be a making of that will go on it from the old one, but there'll also be a new discussion and a new kind of interview of looking back at that time, and, and it's going to be interesting to maybe do a vocal commentary on the actual thing. You were talking bollocks then, son. 
Max Gary, thank you. She born I know. Yeah. Abby Larson, I've got some mead. I love mead. <laughs> mead. <laughs> Who's it? Oh god, cat weasel. Uh, I, I can't. <laughs> he was in the band for such a short time. I can't even. His name doesn't even come into direct recall. But <laughs> I remember it's like uh, I, I think he was. He got on the bus and uh, there wasn't even the bus. It was. It was. Am I getting mixed up? It was some something called Steve Vances was absolutely dismissive of Mead, and we had somebody in the band right on a tour bus. That it was like you know I'll drink mead after like drinking mead after a gig. <laughs> uh, what sort of person drink? It's like I will see me in the mead. I love my mead, man. See that honey? Oh, and I got really in it <laughs> because it was honey. Honey's good for voices, therefore you can drink honey. Honey with alcohol, even better. Mead. <laughs> and Stephen. I didn't drink mead. See me and mead. Nay, nay. Keep that mead away from me. <laughs> There's a couple of very disparaging comments that you can't even make these days. Well, <clears throat> lo and behold, three o'clock in the morning on a bus one night, there was Steve with the mead. It's actually no bad, eh? That's all right. Mead. But I tell you, some hangover with stuff. It's great. I love it. I used to buy it at the, the Christmas market when I, was, when I used to go across to... Carlsruhe, when Simona was living in Carlsruhe and I was living here and I used to go across there all the time. And I used to love going across round about th this time of year. And they used to have these uh, these Christmas markets. And um, and I've seen, maybe a jar up there. Yeah, there is. Look at that. Lo and behold. It says Met. It says, you see, it's ten, but it's met, and it's uh, beer and vine met. This is this was honey. This is what you get. That's serious, man. And uh, that was my meat. I, I used to get it. We used to go down the Christmas market. I used to love it. The one at Carlsruhe. Well, Durlach, I should say. Not Carlsruhe. It was Durlach, and the Christmas market there was just incredible. And you could get all this mead and warm meads and glue wines and stuff. I love it. I love German Christmas markets. And um, we used to get steaming. It used to be brilliant. You'd get into the Christmas market, buy all the rubbish and stuff. The one thing that always used to kind of... Uh, Leanne at Carwell, I don't need your deals. Um, the one thing that used to always like amaze me, right? Because it was a medieval Christmas market, right? So it was like, that's why there was all the honeymead as well. So it was medieval, right? So it was all this medieval... But it was like you could buy it. It was all loads of shit wrapped up in medieval garb, if you know what I mean. So, and uh, but they had you know pigs on sticks and stuff like that, and it was, it was great. And um, and I was I, I used to always be amazed with this, right? Because it was a medieval Christmas market, right? You could do stuff like fire arrows, right? So you could go up, and they gave you a lot, and there was this kind of like a, a corridor. It was a long corridor thing, so you had. You know, on, it was like a big corridor and that side was the Christmas market and then there was a big castle wall there and then they had a, a, a barrier, 
right? And at the end of this barrier, there was a target which had about 15 strawbills behind it to stop arrows taking out passing motors. <laughs> but you used to go up completely pissed and they used to give you a longbow and you're firing these arrows. And Tally said, I was actually no bad at it, right? Shoulder was giving me a little jip. I was no bad at it. But I used to be amazed, right? And it was like, you know, you'd be you're doing this bit. And then there was another place where you could, they had like jacuzzis, right? Well, like big, big baths. And you could actually go and change and, and go into these baths and sit in the baths and they'd give you meat and stuff. It was fantastic. And then there was this other area where they had all these weapons and they were like halberds and broadswords and you could pick up a broadsword and, and you know, twirl it about your head in the, in the area and stuff and you know, be a bit of a night for a day, a night for a day. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just going, I could never imagine this happening in Scotland. Imagine this happening. Yeah, so you've got a huge fair, right? Lots of alcohol, right? And weapons, including arrows and bows. <laughs> it's just a recipe for a goddamn disaster. <laughs> 15 people killed at the Christmas market. The maniac was, you know... But it was great. I used to love the Durlach market. But that was where I used to get the mead. So, yeah, I drink mead. Uh -huh. well, Alan McDonald, you're on Radio Scotland. Just having, just having my tea. Guess the song. Does it begin with... Dum, 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 dum. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, World Gang Tremel, no Christmas markets this year, most got cancelled. I know. It was, um, this is the crappy bit of it all. It's, um, I mean, even the Edinburgh Christmas market, I mean, it is a commercialised rat warren, you know. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, um, I mean, I love it. I love going into the, the, the German Christmas market. It does give you a little kind of sense of kind of, sort of what it's like in over, over there but i mean the german christmas markets are like special re the real ones oh. it's um it's a bit like you know germans doing a hung mini party that's like us doing christmas markets right. but i think the mead you got from me at rockefeller in oslo was a bottle bomb <laughs> was a bottle bomb i don't understand this right. Ray Stacey, Christmas markets in Lubeck. What a fantastic memory. As an American, I had no idea what I was getting into. Glue wine. <laughs> I remember when we went out with the Fish Heads Club tour, when it was like fairy tale creature and yeah, and Frank and Foz. We had to be really, really careful. In fact, one of the first date that Simone and I, well, the, the first time we actually met up as kind of two individuals about to form a relationship, um, was uh, on that Fish Heads Club tour. And uh, I'm trying to remember the, the place. It was, uh, but anyway, we, we mashed the glue wine. And it was like, the, the thing was that on the Fish Heads Club tour, because it was acoustic, you, your sound check was over in 20 minutes, right? So you went out and then you went out into the Christmas markets and it was like glue wine, you'd meet up with fans. And of course, but glue wine, because it's warm and honey and it's good for the voice, it's good for the voice. It's great for the voice. It's absolutely shite for your heed. <laughs> <laughs> and the number of times where it was like, whoa, you know, please welcome on stage. Zah, zah, zah. <laughs> it was never pissed, but it, it definitely loosened me up and sung like sung like a bird. Oh. Paul Devlin, fish bevied up with a bow and arrow. Yeah. 
It's just really nuts. It's you know, if you walked up you're walking up to something, you're absolutely steaming, go, Can you give me a shot of that bow with that really sharp arrow that goes through armor? I know there you go, son. <laughs> Fring <laughs> Volkswagen golf taken out in the town square. I Linda Dublin, I once discharged a bow and arrow at a vintage vehicle festival. Hutsley held to pull back the bow. Did you get one of the vehicles? <laughs> Robert Thompson, the Buckfast monks would pump the meat monks. <laughs> Buckfast, what a, that's a, a satanic drink. Oh no. Marcus Dick, I'm glad you survived the deal like market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cobo sounds like fun, John Thompson, yeah. Richard Hull, mead sounds like something Richie Blackmore would drink. Yeah, Richie Blackmore. <laughs> I did a TV gig with him when he was when he had that kind of medieval thing. I can't remember what it's called. And that was really weird sharing a backstage with that mob. <laughs> I was like, that was really weird. Every, the whole band, about 16 of them all dressed up, all dressed up medieval costume. It was uh, weird. <laughs> Alan Johnson and I on an old firm weekend. Carol Lawrence Olsen, broadsword and the bear, yes. Uh, oh, Jackson, go away. <laughs> Tim Sycamore, I think I may have to purchase some meat. Don't knock it, it is actually quite good, but be careful. You know, it tastes like honey, but it's, it's like, and it wipes you, it's like Jambui. If, if you get really, if you get totaled and high quality meat you know something's got a bit more content so it's um in the morning do not drink water right or drink it very because you, all you end up doing is because you're so dehydrated you throw the water in you it's like you're pissed again like you were last summer pissed again like you were last night mulled wine tim debiver i love mulled wine glue what is glue wine glue wine's brilliant there will be a driving Christmas market in NRW, Germany. A driving Christmas market with crossbows, bows and arrows and alcohol. <laughs> it's a demolition derby. Anthony Sharp, remember trying to ski after a wee bit of glue wine. It was different, he says. Different, laughing. Yeah, I had a friend went up a mountain, came back on a stretcher. Uh, make Dick Pangle was Altsy. It was, it was Altsy. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Sven Spieth, shape for your head. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as good, Sven. Should try wine. Eh, mead. Mike Friedman, have you still got the garlic mincer from the Belfast Christmas market? Yes, I have, Mike. Yes. That's what, that's what the, the garlic thing, they show you, go, here they are, here's the garlic thing, and this is how easy it is to, like, you know, take all the skin off the cloves and da -da -da, get it and mince your garlic, and, da -da, and you go, and you go, that looks really good, right? And here you go, and it's, it's, here, so it's 20 pounds, you get this one extra for five, and you buy it, you bring it back home, and you go, and how did he do it again? <laughs> it's an ashtray now. <laughs> Blackmore's Night, Steve Welsh, that was it. Yeah. John Watson, yep. 
Mike Britton saw Black Monday, it was weird. Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange concept, you know. Yeah. Yes, and everybody's got Blackmore's night, yeah, it's a bit like the t-shirt venue, you know. I know Blackmore Night, Blackmore Night, Blackmore Night. The best at Medieval was only James Dio, Kenny Tate. Andy Lim, John Bowie's lethal, far too Moorish. <laughs> Moorish. <laughs> Rots your teeth, laddie. It's just uh, Rusty Nails. I, I told you about Rusty Nails in Suzanne Vega before. It's like, you know. Victoria uh, Ozzo, you mean Uzo, right? Do you remember, Johnny Van Bogart, do you remember the tiny concert called Bebop in Belgium? Yeah, I do remember Bebop. It would be the smallest place I've played in. I've played in some very small places. I've played in places you need to eat small bits of cake to get so small to get into. Uh, Tina Rennie, here in the States, I used to get pissed and mead at the Renaissance Fair. Uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> me, Tim Plant, got wasted on me that medieval banquet in Coventry. Oh, dear. Uh, Gary Simpson, all day I've got gingerbread mulled wine in. It's awesome. Actually, I've tried that all day mulled wine. It's, it's good. It's good. But, I mean, there's nothing. Standing round a bonfire with a gallon of mulled wine... <laughs> And a side bucket of mead. Oh! <laughs> Ray promised they stopped selling mead at our beer festivals because people got pissed really quickly. Yeah, if you drunk mead like beer, yeah, like flagging of mead. Uh, yeah, yeah. But so we're all, we seem to be. Graham Gilberson, you gotta try chili mead. Got some at Barnard Castle. <laughs> chili mead. Honey and chili. Uh, what? Garlic. Garlic and bread. <laughs> Robert Arendt, drum beauty, lethal. Turns into a rusty nail then hospital. Uh, <laughs> no, I've not got time to do it. I'll do it another one. I'll, I'll, do, I'll tell you my drum beauty story with Roger Chapman's band like, another time. Turn it wine. Harvey Larson, I'm a beekeeper, so I still brew my own meat. Yo! Now, bees... That is something for the future we want to get here. We definitely want to get it. Right, okay, somebody reminded me. <clears throat> it's 20 past. Moving targets. I actually prepped. I came through and looked at it, and I saw it was Other Side of Me, right? And I thought, I better go through and listen to it and read all the lyrics to Other Side of Me again. And, uh, and I did all that, and I came back through the computer, and Moving Targets had won. So, so I've set all up. Got a remote. The heat CD player seems to be working okay. It did, did a little bit of flutter earlier on, but moving targets. Right. As I said earlier, that was a really weird thing. It was it was like this morning. It must have been a kind of Fellini kind of vibe. Bruce Watson lives in Dunfermline. And Bruce Watson, uh, during some of the lean years after Big Country split up, was actually working in Rosyth Dogyards and was painting the Ark Royal bar, the Ark Royal carrier. And um, and it was, uh, so Bruce has got a, a big history across there. But Bruce came into the band for the Field of Crows album. And um, Field of Crows had a really strange start because it was, it was kind of, a mixture between a, a, a kind of screenplay and an album concept at the same time. And uh, 
I had this idea for a screenplay and it was basically the, the kind of idea was young guy being brought up you know mother dead brought up in in, in the country in the woods by i mean you've, it's been done before right brought up in the woods by a, a father and you know the, the the brother um the father dies but they get the young kid is brought up with this whole idea of vermin and it's he's just sort of shoot he becomes you know very adept with hunting rifles and um and basically he's educated and as far as and a very kind of i mean how can you say it his attitude that he was given the world was a, a very different dynamic from other people's and he just saw he saw animals as kind of he saw a lot of animal, crows and things as vermin right and as it, it, the thing was, as he grew up, he was watching TV. He hadn't watched TV before, and he suddenly sees TV, and he basically associates like various businessmen, and he sees corruption on the TV, and he decides to do something about it. And what he does is he 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 leaves his kind of lair and goes into the city, and he goes into the city as a hunter, right? And he basically starts to take people out that he declares as being corrupt or whatever. I mean, um, it's a very dodgy lines in it you know, to deal with it all. But that was kind of the concept, the idea, and it's about how he goes in as a hunter and then basically the thing turns around and he becomes the hunted, which, um, you know, he suddenly realises as, as he's kind of pursuing his kind of aim and collecting his trophies and things, you know, suddenly the, the, everything turns and he becomes the hunted and he's chased back out into the woods where eventually he's he's brought down in the woods that he came from. That was the kind of simplistic idea of it all. And that was kind of what I started to pursue with the lyrics. And um, it all kind of, kind of got derailed, right? And it was mainly because of this, because I found out about... I mean, when I started, when I came up with the original idea, it was round about 2002, and it wasn't until I found out about this that I kind of like I had to just I had to stop, right? Which it was the DC sniper attacks, also known as the Beltway sniper attacks, were a series of coordinated shootings that occurred during three weeks in October 2002 in the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia. Ten people were killed, and three others were critically wounded in the Baltimore, Washington metropolitan area and along Interstate 95 in Virginia. The snipers were John Allen Muhammad, age 41 at the time, and Lee Boyd Malvo, age 17 at the time, who travelled in a blue 1990 Chevrolet Caprice sedan. Their crime spree began in February 2002, including murders and robberies in states of Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, da -da -da. It resulted in seven deaths, seven wounded people in 10 months. The snipers killed 17 people and wounded 10 others. When I found out about that, it was like, I just, I couldn't pursue it. It was like, it was, it was it, suddenly it was um uh art and reality mix and um i had to pull out of it but i still had the, the lyrics for a, a couple of the songs and um and moving targets was one of them and that was that was one of it, moving targets was kind of like the the kind of a feed song 
into the whole plot. But as I said, I mean, I had to walk away from the whole screenplay idea, but it's been done since. And it's, um, there are people who have obviously done that, that kind of similar thing. But that was kind of the whole Field of Crows vibe was when it started off, the, the writing started off with that idea of a screenplay about a young boy leaving the woods and becoming a hunter in a big city and, and being you know chased back from false values and, and things like that. And uh, it, it kind of fed into a lot of kind of revenge fantasy stuff. It fed into, uh, you know, you know, White Knight, Silver Soul, Killing Dragons vibe. And um, it was a simplistic idea, but as I said, you know, I, I had to walk away from the whole thing. But the, the actual shooting was, was the, shoot, the original shootings were really scary because it was a lot of people were just random. And that was the weird thing about it. I mean, it was, they were just killing people at random, right? And... It was. I seem to remember. It was like the, the the kid was in the back in the boot of the car, and they actually had the gun. He was shooting from outside the back of the, inside the boot and shooting through a, a gap in, in the actual boot of the car, just picking people off. And there was no relationship, and that was why they got away with it for so long because it was just random, you know. And I just I, and you know when I read about that, I, I, thought, I thought it was really scary. I mean, the fact that it was just random, you know, and um. But of course, like you know, when you you hear the lyric now, it it fits into you know very much the the, the time frame now. I mean, when you look at the situation in Nice, when you look at uh, you know you know what's happened across Europe, what's happened in America, you know, where, you know mental health issues and guns. You know, I mean, um, it's, it's 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 quite scary. I mean, you know, guns were taken away from us. And I mean, I used to have gun licenses a long time ago and it was something I wanted to take up. But of course, um, the Dunblane School massacre changed everything and suddenly nobody was allowed rifles. And, you know, I agree with it. It's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at America at the moment. I mean, obviously the entire last week was just taken up where, I mean, from Friday when, you know, you thought that everything was over and we're now suddenly in a place where Trump is refusing to concede despite the numbers, despite so much evidence, right? And despite all these claims being put out, refusing to go. And you're sitting there and you're going, there are 7 million people that voted for Donald Trump and there are more than that that voted for Joe Biden. But I mean, the, the, the schism in America is scary, you know? I mean, I remember after the the first Scottish referendum when you know there was a big divide there was a lot of healing we had to go through at that time which I don't want to go into too much but I mean there was a lot of within families there was a there was a lot of conflict occurred because of different political views and um but you know for example, after the the result, there was you know in George Square there was the the yes guys were in there, um, having a party, and suddenly there was a bunch of no guys came down, and it all kicked off. It wasn't really reported in the news because they didn't want it in the news, but I mean there was no guns there, you know. I mean, I, and I will look at America, and you 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 know, you know, you just go like, wow, there's there's a lot of divide, and uh, on both sides of the division there are, you know armed people you know and uh, that that's quite frightening and um 
it's, it's, it's been a, a scary time and I think, you know, looking at the incidents that have occurred, I mean, you know, as I wrote in um, on the, the, the sleeve notes in the deluxe version of Elschmerz, I mean, I, I remember, you know, being in the train on the way back to Karlsruhe with my respiratory virus coughing up all the way down and on the, the, the kind of the midnight train for Hamburg and you know the news of the Bataclan came through you know and that, that you know and it yeah had a big effect on me and that that was you know a bunch of guys shooters going into a venue and um and you know and, and, and songs like some of the songs you know that some of the lyrics that I've written they, they seem to like kind of crawl through time and 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 maintain a relevance and uh and moving targets I think especially the, the end section but I mean the end section where it, where it runs through a kind of a, a, a series of places and I think that was was quite creepy and um but it was um targets was it was one of the first songs that, that we, we put together and I always loved it, but I loved the explosion. And I think, you know, having, and Mark Brzezinski came in on, on drums and, um, you know, having Mark and Steve Vance's playing together was, that was a, a, whoa, that was a real oof rhythm section. And, you know, when that explosion happens in, in Target, something where it just goes, just the control. I loved just like I said, the entire dynamic of the song, and and the pulse at the front of them, you know, it's the hunting. But it was like getting all the different references to calibers and guns and shells and 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 stuff. And and as I said, I mean, it, it became a kind of a microcosm of that and that screenplay that never really came together. You know, I kind of wrapped it up in in the moving targets thing. So without further ado. It's half past, and we should maybe go through and listen to a song. Follow me. Oh, nearly took the mead. <laughs> See? Automatically going for the mead. <laughs> and you notice in the T-shirt, when, when the, the photograph was taken, when Simona took the snap of me on the couch, the glass was empty, but Mark has filled my glass for the cover of the T-shirt. <laughs> oh. Let's go through. Oh. From the control room, this uh, next week, next Monday, there's going to be some. Uh, there's some changes going to happen here. We've been trying to get them done for ages. And um, one of the things is up there. These are up there. That's two Velux windows that have been in since 1991. And um, they've blown, what they call blown. The, the, the seals have gone and there's all sorts of stuff. But we don't know what's up there. You see all that? There might be aliens breeding up there. This dead spiders and everything. Anyway, they've got to go up there and replace the Veluxes. And the other thing is, this is, I showed you before, this is the mail room, right? Here's my, um, Guido. That's my Zabji Kapalnia Guido. 
and that was a that was a gig that I'd done, and uh, I actually played on the Fish Hits Club tour, and we played in a coal mine in Poland. It was a brilliant night. And um, but this is the meal room, and that wall there is getting a window knocked through it. So, someone's office. But we reckon the feng shui is going to get a lot better. It'll just let more daylight in, and it's the same with the Veluxes here because, as I said, this is the control room that is going to change. Oh, look, there's Liam. Yeah. So, we're going through here. Oh. Mum's not there. Hello, darling. We're coming through. Guess what? Someone is watching CNN. Bing, bing. Go with. Oh, one second we watched. If, if you've not watched it. Oh, by the way. Mike Freeburn. See that lot? That's all our chilies drying. And someone has got a load of other stuff drying down here. That's all our teas. There's all these amazing teas. But I love this place because of the beams and everything you can put up here. Loads of things hanging. And that, you bought me, you bought me the heart, didn't you? Remember, years ago, Simona bought me that for, for Christmas. Carl's Rue Christmas market. Be through in a minute. Right. Fire's on. Just get you set up right. Just drop you down so you can catch the candles and everything. You gotta have the candles. Where's the candles gone? Zazaza. Yeah. Ah, bollocks! <laughs> <laughs> right, and this is, oh no! <laughs> Come on, go on. Don't let me down. Come on, Lord, Lord, Lord. Lord, yes. Superman, cause he exits the old 
Moving targets from the album Field of Crews. Oh, how can I come that's still playing? I've got my laptop on. I got clever this time. So put it on. Silence. Yeah, it's when you get that in section that you know, supermarkets and shopping malls, you just go wall. Yeah, it's still holding. It's a bit bright up there. Can't have the shine and the bonds getting too much. Yeah, but the explosive bit, the explosive bit is just like, oh, still, when you play it live and it goes into it, it's like, bah, 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 and the pushies, oh, it's great, love it. Love it, love it, love it. But, um, Simon Farquhar, <laughs> Farquhar's Corner, Farquhar here for Farquhar's Corner. Um, oh yeah, Sabine Brigdo, what, John Smith? Yeah. Oh, Bob Hoff, yeah, my shoulders are, are better. They're still stiff, but, you know, they're a lot better than they were. They're still twinge. Darling, yeah. they would like to know... Who oh dear, this airing has turned into a glass of wine. What is it mead? Huh? Um, I've just shown them the, the... Remember we bought the mead at Carlsruhe at the Christmas Mart? The what? Remember we bought the mead? The... Met. Met. Yeah. Yeah. Met. Yeah. Yeah. Met is German for mead. Met. So, met. M-E-A-D. Yeah, it's mead. That's what we call it here. Okay. You call it met. Ah, oh, you have the same here? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and somebody's, I said, he's going to send us a couple of gallons. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sh never mind. Shit, here comes Mongo. <laughs> so, darling, what's for dinner tonight on Mummy's birthday? My Oh, she loves cauliflower, so it has to be cauliflower in a bechamel sauce and my favorite little potatoes. Yes. What are they called? Fur apples. Pink. No, these ones are just fur apples. I don't yeah. think they're pink fur apples. Fur apples. Have you, oh, you got one? Oh, I'll go get they're, one. They're in the pot. Wait. You got one? Fur apples. I grew these as, for those of you who go onto the Funny Farm Kitchen Garden Facebook page, you'll have seen the potato growing thing. And I've got shit loads of these potatoes and they're great. Fur apples. Seemingly, they came out of Holland and I think it was about 1857 or something. And they were really popular. Well, and they're ugly little things. Well, they are, some are a little bit bigger, but mostly they are like this. Yeah, they're little tubers and they're so tasty. And they only, they only grow to about, they only grow to like about that. Yeah. And um, they're really tiny, you can see them, but they're so tasty. Are and they were, they were, sorry. But you don't need to peel them, that's good. Because we grow them in the bags, right? Because we grow the tatties in the bags. All you do, you've seen me do this on Fish and Friday before, when we used to have daylight, right? And you basically empty the bag out and just pull the tatties out. And we've got loads of these. Mm. We've, got, we've got about eight bags of these. And <clears throat> one, one bag, right, can do us for about a week. Well, they're so good, but they came for Holland, and and they they completely fell out of favour, 
and because everybody thought they were really ugly everybody liked these nice round smooth skinned potatoes and stuff and they fell out of favour and they're kind of uh, early 20th century and um, but they've come back in again and they're becoming really popular and they're a gravy salad potato and you can boil them and um, you know let them cool off use them in salads we use them as soups and everything but they're fantastic and that's what we're having tonight and, and organic pork chops from a farm shop. Yeah. <laughs> we went up to East Lothian Organics today to get some bits and pieces. And, um, so we've got some some organic meat, which is like a lot better than the stuff supermarket. It's a bit ka-ching, you, like, you know, and you kind of deal with that. But but yeah, so it's because it's my mum's birthday. So she lo loves cauliflower and the wee ties, cream sauce. Pork chops, yummy, 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 munchy, 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 munchy. Quarter two, where are we? Oh, oh, I've got to watch this. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, bollocks. How did I do this? It's not working. Ah, there we are. Dave Wright, Dalkies, hi, wow. Ganja flavour, Carol Heinz Reader. Oh, um, Darren, yeah. Philip Garbutt says, ask Simona about uh, Yargati Warm. Jargati? I think he's got it wrong. Jargati. Jargati Warm. Jägerti. Jägerti. Jägerti, isn't this. Uh, Glühwein with rum. I don't know. I've never drank. I never drank it. Something. Yeah, hot. I've never drank it either. I've never had glühwein with rum. It's fucking I, great. I think something like this. Yeah, it's yeah, Jaeger tea. Glühwein with rum. It's hunters. Jaeger is a hunter. So it's mm -hmm. hunters tea. No. Could be. Uh, da -da -da -da. Oh. Rico Anka, you should try the Dutch Opperdoos potato. Um. Arva Larsen, oh, Arva Larsen, you're becoming, you're becoming a, a, my mead dealer, right? Wagner uh, Villacha, hello from Brazil. Kate Ford, watching a film the other night, it was called Trauma Lambda. Your song was played throughout the film. Do you get royalties for this? I didn't even know it was a film called Trauma. And I've never heard about it. It's a... Uh, Irish, it was chuff up the skin with a scouring pad, right? Happy birthday, Mrs. Yeah, I would go through, but it's like my mum's knackered today. So she was going to put in a wee appearance, but it's, um, she's having a wee sleep. John Uri, don't let the pork chops get dry on you. Da -da -da. Yeah, pork chops for dinner and fair apples. Don't forget them. We have no mead. Yes, we have no mead. Yeah. So. Yeah, the week's been weird, you know. It's um, had me kind of glued to the set, and it was um, or a bit of a kind of a bit of fear hit me the other day, you know. And it was it was one of those things that kind of it kind of goes under the radar. It's, it's you know you you got to join the dots. I found that when I did the tours in Bosnia in 96, which we've never really discussed yet because nobody's picked Tilted Cross yet for a kickoff, right? But, um, 
The one thing I learned when I was down there was, was to read more and take more interest in the history and read the other pages in the newspaper because you often find these little things in the back of a newspaper and like little articles that pop up on, you know, on, on I mean, I, I, I subscribe to about three, three papers, three newspapers, right? I do the Guardian Independent, uh, I do the Edinburgh Evening News and I've also got one with a, um, uh, with a telegraph and I, I scout about it and I look at other papers, you know, I mean, I don't, follow, you know, I mean, I'm also subscribed to The National, which is an independence newspaper up here. And, um, but I don't believe everything that's in there, the same way as I don't believe everything that's in The Independent, you know, and I, I look about. And it's always interesting when you scroll down articles and you see things and you just, you remember things and things twig you. And um, talking about screenplays, I mean, you know, if you were to write a screenplay about, you know, what's happening in our world at this moment in time, it's, 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 it, it's surreal, you know? And one of the things was the, the defence guy that was kind of booted out, stroke resigned across in the States. This is all happening just weeks after there's this wonderful new deal where the UEA is recognising Israel and Israel is recognising the UEA, blah, 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 and it's, everything's coming in. And then right under the radar, on you know, flipping down the pages, there's this massive arms deal that's been done were, you know, down in, in, in the Emirates and um, all happening at the same time as, you know, the president's refusing to relinquish power, getting rid of it. And you just go like, you know, it's a nightmare scenario. It's, you know, he's only got so long to go and like how much, you know, turmoil and things could be created, you know, in, in that period. And it's worrying. And then when you see a deal going down like that, well, like multi, I mean, I could get all the facts and figures and I could display them in front of you. But I'm talking basically general numbers about here. Serious billions of dollars going down in a territory that's basically at war in Yemen. But at the same time on the news, you're being told about humanitarian agencies that are struggling to get money to get food because they're expecting a massive famine in Yemen in, in the coming months, you know. And the deal with COVID, you know, in a lot of the refugee camps. So... But I mean, with specifically, it's like, you know, with, with the Yemen, it's like, you know, one minute you get told to like go, you know, humanitarian aid. And at the same time, there's this multi-billion dollar arms deal gets done to the people who are basically flying jets and firing rockets in, in, the, in the populations across in the Yemen. And at the same time, you know, you're looking at a situation in the Middle East where, you know, UEA, Saudi Arabia, Sunni, Iran, Shia, and you start putting those dots all together and it becomes quite scary. And I'm concerned in a number of this. And it's like watching the COVID figures go up, you know, as well across the world is um, disheartening to say the least. And, uh, but I mean, you know, we've we just been watching, I was watching the news the other day and you just go like, you, you, there's so many things happening, like so far down the page that, you know, a year and a half ago would have been top of the page, you know? And things are current, you know, I mean, it's, um, it worries me, you know, and it's, it's you know, and, and, and throwing the whole COVID thing in, on, on top of it all, you know, it's, it's, it worries me about the world we live in. And, um, <clears throat> and even today when I was down at Society with my mum and I was, you know, on this beautiful, at this beautiful house on a beautiful shoreline, you know, by the side of the fourth. And 
you know, you think about it and you think about global warming and, you know, basically that house is only about two feet, three feet above the water's edge. And, you know, and you start putting all that in context and thinking about that. And that's, I think, maybe because I was preparing for the other side of me tonight. So I was kind of, I got myself into that way of thinking as well. But, um, but yeah, I, mean, I, I watched the news last night. Someone and I sat down and, and we were watching the news and it was just, you know, endless, massive issues that were happening. And at the same time, you know, looking at America and going, you know, as I said earlier on before I introduced moving targets, I mean, it's like, you know, half of America, you know, well, less than half of America, because let's face it, Biden is one, Biden is president-elect. And no matter what the squirming and the tantrums that are thrown from the White House at present, you know, the votes are in. And it's like, you know, can we please accept it and just move on? But what worries me is the damage that could be caused, you know, between now and the end of January and what future President Biden is going to be coming in and dealing with, you know, and whether, you know, do you basically piss all over the house, you know, before you, you hand it over? It's, um, you know, I always remember a thing, wee story, just to pass before I go into the last song, right? When I was in Bosnia, we played this place called Maconicgrad, and it was, Royal Engineers were down there, and there was also Princess of Wales um, uh, tanks were down there. And I think it was, the Muslims held it, the Muslims had taken it back off the Croats or something. And, um, and it was a sawmill. And um, I won't tell you the full story. I'll keep that for another time. But the thing was that um, basically the, the Muslim army at that, that point, right, decided that they were going to make a wee bit of hold. And then there was, there was Serbians up in the mountains and stuff like that. And anyway, they brought in all these Challenger tanks. And there was complaints because we'd brought players onto the field that, were, that outstripped anything that was getting put up against them, right? So they were told to leave McConaughey right? The, the, the sawmill in McConaughey and um, and when we went there, the the, the the British Army had been in about a year and a half or so. <clears throat> but when they went in, the, the main office block that was designated as being office headquarters, basically the the army that was that was in the, the, in the hold of the, the sawmill at that time, they basically went up. And they shat and pissed on every floor, and you know, so they made it as uninhabitable as possible. So that when the British Army moved in, they had the guys had to go in hazmat suits and basically hose the whole thing. And it was the British Army being the British Army, they called it the Richard the Turd Hotel, and that was where we stayed when we played the gig in Mechanicrad. And that's kind of where we feel at the moment. It's like you know, you just feel like there's a lot of kind of pissing and shitting going on that's like you know, have, going to have to be cleaned up before things start coming together. And um, it's a kind of scary time. But I mean, uh, I, I just find it unbelievable. I mean, that every night I'm watching, watching TV, it's like watching a movie. You know, you, it's like watching a never ending series or like just, you know, things that you couldn't even put in a Hollywood film. I mean, the, the flora, the storms, watching what's happening in the Philippines and stuff, you know. So I thought I'd end tonight with this. It's, um, cause it's, it, it just works. It's like, it's just us. But I mean, you know, you have to kind of get involved. You have to get involved. And, you know, in the same way as, you know, 
you know, when you're looking at America and you're looking at Georgia and you realise that President Biden could win, but, you know, if he loses the two the two um, Senate seats in, 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 in Georgia, then it could be like, you know, he's never going to get anything done because of all the checks and balances that exist in, in American government, which is kind of, that's a scary thing. You know, coming in and winning a popular vote and then being able to do it, unable to do anything because of bureaucrats and stuff, etc., etc. I mean, yeah, I understand checks and balances, but, you know, there's got to be some coming together. There has to be coming together, and America's got... The two sides have got to start talking to each other, and the, you know. It's, um, and it's just now. And I'm going to, I'll set this up. Talk amongst yourself while I do this. I'm going to have to put the light on. Otherwise, I'm going to screw up the stylus again, and you know... I know how much you laugh when I bloody screw up the stylus. Everything must be.
barricades and dug myself a very deep hole. I came to in a country I was considered a home that has been lost to scoundrels of rose and circus of clowns. Fish and Flady goes by. To all of you in uh, lockdown, I know it's all really tough. Uh, it was like I said, it was weird going out today with my mum. It was the first time my mum had been out of the house since uh, the beginning of the year, and um, um, and I, I find it weird going out and driving around and 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 seeing other people because we're wrapped up in our little oasis here. Um, uh, oh, one thing I want to say. Oh, I don't have the example. Have you one of the 
the masks. Yeah, yeah, sorry, babe. Um, Ralph Niederberger, um, he was sent a graving and he sent us these, he, he custom ordered these masks for himself. We're not, we don't sell the masks. I've, I've got no intention of kind of getting proper masks made up. I use the buffs. I actually use the double, double masks. And uh, <clears throat> I wear them religiously, religiously outside. And I still follow all the rules. As I said, it's like, you know, and even, you know, I'll put up the show tonight where, where, you know, talking to, you know, talking about a guy that's been, you know, weeks in hospital, you know, and it's still rampant. And you see the figures coming out of America. I mean, El Paso and stuff, it's just frightening. Utah and things. And then, you know, watching the Spanish and French figures, you know, it's, uh, and it's great, you know, your vaccine in the way. Wow, vaccine this way. When we're going to get it, when you and I are going to get it, it's like God knows. And um, and just because it's on its way doesn't mean that it's like everything's kind of cool and everything. But um, either one, either one anyone. This one. Yeah. Okay. You are going to like. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones there. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's another one. Yeah, this one, this one's a bit small for me. It makes makes my ears do the FA Cup vibe, right? Oh, God. Shit. Oh, bugs. I'm smiling. Oh, it's upside down. <laughs> anyway, it's that. So, Ralph, thank you very much for for these, you yeah. um, know. Like I said, I wear the buffs. I, I, I just feel more... I don't like things hanging around my ears. And, um, <clears throat> but it's common sense. It's all down to common sense. And it's great that the vaccine's coming along and all the rest of it. I'm sure there's going to be loads of questions and to and fro and media shit back and forward and back and forward and up and down and toasting our heads and fragging us with this stuff. But I mean, um, the fact is that like, okay, there's a vaccine coming. Great. We've known that, right? But it's not here yet. And the, the, the basic issue is you still have to follow all the protocols. And it's like, I know people don't like being told what to do. And that's what I've said every time, every week. Common bloody sense, right? Wear a mask when you're out. And they're now saying it protects you as well as it protects others, you know? And, you know, washing hands. I mean, I, I mean today I just went, I went to the petrol station. It was like, you know, dusted right up, man. And I have to watch. I've got an 88-year-old mother through there and I'd like to see her reach 89. And, you know, both my mum and uh, myself and Simona, we're all kind of... I mean, we, the three of us are shielding because, of, like I said, my sepsis and, and Simona's got our, our own health things. And uh, we're OK, but we're doubly careful. But we, it's common sense. It's like just treating everybody properly and, and dealing with it. <clears throat> there's, there's people watching this from wards tonight. Think about that, watching from a hospital ward with COVID tonight. Right? And um, think about that, you know. I was watching, there was a thing about long COVID, the Scottish government's got this thing where, you know, they're, they're putting five million in investigating long COVID, which is something I'll talk about again next week. But for this one, it's like, thank you for tuning in again and being part of it all. It's, I hope you enjoy these as much as I do. Sometimes I go off in tangents and sometimes I will wander in areas that people, I can hear the sharp intake of breath coming along. But that's kind of what I do, right? And uh, that's me. And um, 
and I'm older and I'm allowed to get away with it. So tonight it's uh, an end of another Fishing Friday, number 34 or 35, you know. I'm not counting. Read the back of the T-shirt, you'll find out how many it is. Um, but until next week, um, I'll be back here, you know, on control room couch, venue to be confirmed. But it's here somewhere in this house. <laughs> so until next week, um, just take care and just stay alive and watch after yourselves. Be sensible and just, you know, employ common sense uh, in the best way possible. Okay. Take care. Bye.